0: Have a good relationship with your family. If you're going to be in business with your family, you have to get along. And you can get pissed off and tell someone to go take a hike, but always be able to, within that day, make amends and and move on because you're as dependent on them as they are dependent on you. And you all bring a different piece to the, to the puzzle.
1: The Life in Motion podcast is brought to you by Actual Outdoors. They help build beautiful brands that highlight the approachable and authentic parts of outdoor recreation. Said simply, they keep it real. Learn more at ActualOutdoors.com. This is a Life in Motion audio experience. A podcast about travel, action sports, culture, and more. What's up and welcome to episode 173 of Life in Motion. I've got Ron LaHoot with me from LaHoot's, America's oldest ski shop, which was established in 1920 on a deep passion for the outdoors, their community, and you guessed it, skiing. I'm excited to learn about its rich history and what their shop means to the outdoor community. Ron, thanks for being on the show today. Oh, thanks
0: for having me, Jeremy. Yes,
1: yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm so glad that, uh, you know, uh, Phoebe made this connection, of course. Um, and, you know, a while back when we had her on the show and, and have been kind of... Um, impressed not only with with our kind of relationship from that side but also you know learning more about the shop watching the documentary and and everything else it's uh it's amazing
0: yeah and we got you know the fourth generation uh taking an interest in the business so i'm pretty excited (laughs) about that so i can maybe retire one day
1: (laughs) (laughs) there we go that that's the plan that's the plan um but so, and as I mentioned in, in the, in the, uh, the intro, you know, everything kind of started in 1920. So I feel like, you know, kind of going all the way back to, to the, like the very beginning. And so let's, I guess, what is the, the, the family and the kind of history kind of behind it that, that brought, I, I guess, brought this to life in the first place?
0: Well, my grandfather came from uh, Lebanon, a small village up in the mountains called, uh... Blauza, And it was actually, what's ironic is it was actually near the cedars of Lebanon, which now has a ski area. So they kind of came from ski country, even though they didn't know it at the time. <laughs> and they immigrated here into uh, New York in the early 1900s, and I think it was like 1908. And um, believe it or not, they made it, they made it their way up to uh, New England uh And eventually Canada, because they were all there were a group of uh, guys that all came from the same village. And of course, they were looking for employment and there was work up on the Canadian railway. So they all went to work uh, in Canada, which were obviously really close to the border Um, and ended up in this town of Littleton, uh, which where were our main stores located um, in 1920, uh, they ended up here because they heard there was uh, employment in ice plant uh, that was located here. And that was back in the day where, you know, they'd make blocks of ice and ice would be sold out of these small ma and pa manufacturing plants. And we had one right here up the street from our original store, which is the oldest ski shop. Um, And my grandfather would walk by the store every day. It was the old Grange Hall and saw a sale sign, uh, go up in the window and purchased the property for, I think like a thousand dollars. Obviously back then was a yeah. lot of money. And, um, he, uh, he and my grandmother, uh, opened up the shop and it was a grocery store, uh, While while she ran the stores, he peddled dry goods all over the North country with horse and buggy. And what was really cool was that five other cousins that came with him all opened up similar grocery stores, all within a two mile radius, all on the same street. And of course that was back in the day when there weren't big grocery stores. So they were all kind of neighborhood grocery stores, but they all, uh, they all kind of copied each other and they all did okay and made it through the depression. And, um, that's kind of how we ended up here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, um, you know, obviously the, the, the story of getting here and and kind of finding your way and pursuing the American dream and that instance and kind of, you know, doing what it takes, but then kind of seeing this, this opportunity of, um, okay, here's the shopping. I'm definitely curious to know, like what a thousand dollars back then equates to nowadays, as you mentioned, uh, you know, there's, there's an account for that, but, and, and kind of taking, taking that risk to do that. And then of course, kind of the rest of the family kind of following suit in that way. So, you know, you mentioned it started, you know, as a, as a kind of grocery uh, type, type place. Um, And I, and I believe, you know, from, from the storage and stuff, there was an apartment above that as well. Right.
0: Yeah. My dad was actually born um, in the, the, he actually, he slept, he died in the room pretty much that he was born in above the shop. And as a result of having, you know, been there and having the close proximity to the store, which was underneath him. Uh, He ended up moving back there with my mom when he got married and we were raised above the store. So (laughs) the shop pretty much became our playground um, as kids. Um, So it wasn't really, it wasn't really work. It was always just kind of like fun to be down there. that was also back in the day when uh, we had penny candy and ice cream and beer and all that fun stuff. So it was a, (laughs) it was a cool place to hang out, but probably should tell you a little about a little bit about how it went from a grocery store and dry goods to a ski shop. Yeah. So my dad um, went uh, was in the service, went to Notre Dame hoping to go to law school and war broke out and he had, he was struggling in school and just decided to enlist and um was gone for like four years came back and was uh contemplating if he should go back to school or if he should come back to the store because his dad had passed away early on when he was 12. so it was actually my grandmother um who was a really strong woman that was running the grocery store and he had a sister two sisters that were helping and he had that moment where he had to decide am i going to pursue something that I want to pursue or am I going to go back and help my family out and he chose the latter and took a train back um from Indiana and went went to work in the shop at like early I think he was
1: 21 years old wow yeah and um and doing that and 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 then and listening to to the documentary and stuff so was in, I guess, when did he fall in love? Cause, um, I, if I'm not saying he's kind of the one who brought the skiing to there eventually, right. but before it even got to that point, um, what was there like a skiing, I guess, like, obviously it was a lot different than it is to now, as far as popularity and stuff goes, I'm sure. So well, he, was that, he
0: grew, up, he grew up skiing, of course, like we all did. There was a small, um, park nearby that had a rope tow called Remick park. And he started there and then, we had another little local ski area called Mount Eustis, which I was involved in reviving about 10 years ago. And you transitioned from Remick Park, Rope Toe, which was a very small ski hill to Mount Eustis, which was bigger and then to Cannon Mountain. So he really, his heart was really at Cannon as a, as a, you know, teen and when he came back. So he had that passion for skiing since he was a kid and, that's when he kind of had the brainstorm, Hey, that's something that I could try selling because it's really where my heart is more than in groceries. And he stuck a few pairs of skis in the front window of the grocery store. And kind of that's how it all began.
1: Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Cause you know, not only, you know, being, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go back and I'm going to, you know, help my family, um, run the shop and, and do all that stuff. But then at the same time, like, well, how can I do that? But also, you know, kind of, you know, I have my passion for, for skiing and, and the outdoors and everything like that. How can I bring that into the family business in that sense? And then obviously, um, it kind of started from there. So, and, uh, you know, I guess what, what was kind of, are there like any stores, I guess, of like the, the very beginning of like what the, um, I guess the community kind of feedback and stuff was for something, obviously it's the, the oldest shop in the, in America, um, ski shop, but, I guess what what did that kind of do for the community once there was sort of that that focus? You know, did it did skiing and stuff like that increase or or kind of what what happened?
0: Well, my dad was pretty influential as far as getting people on the on the hill, and he volunteered his time and taught a lot of young kids uh, how to ski, and uh, that kind of spurred the interest in the community. And we also at the time had a, another ski shop called Carol Reed's, which is no longer around. So there was definitely a ski, hard goods, clothing influence in this area. And then, of course, with Cannon Mountain being a state run um, mountain, it was just brought people from Littleton where you could kind of ski for free at this Mount Eustace and then graduate to the bigger slopes and then have a couple ski shops in town to kind of feed the interest.
1: Yeah. No, that's great. And, and like the, the give back aspect of it, as far as, you know, teaching others to ski and that stuff. And I'm sure there was, um, that was a good, you know, being out on the slopes or the mountain or wherever was probably a a great outlet for, uh, for him, especially, you know, during, during those times of, you know, the, the depression and and then war and, and everything like that. I'm sure that was a great spot to kind of sit back and kind of reconnect and, you know, like everybody's kind of looking for nowadays, but to hear stories similar to that, you know, way back when is, is, uh, inspiring.
0: Yeah. And his, and his sister who was never married worked close to his side and she would frequent this mitter sill, which is on the backside of Canon, which also had, was closed for quite some time and was reopened, but it was the, um, it was a small Hill uh, ski area that kind of mimicked uh, the Alps because uh, an Austrian uh, architect came in and built ski chalets, so it became like a village of chalets with Middersil, um at the the forefront. And my aunt would go and hobnob there because it was a lot of out of state uh, second homeowners, and she would frequent the Appre ski scene and drum up business. Uh, I remember as a kid, having lived upstairs, my dad would open the shop um, after hours uh, to accommodate all these people that had left the mountain, had gone to the bars and couldn't make it in time for regular hours. And he would open up, specially for these groups, and they would just come in with still with their ski boots on half (laughs) in the bag and Shop for a couple hours, and my dad would often even challenge that if they spent up to a thousand dollars, which in today's dollars would probably be probably like ten grand. He would flip a coin with them, and if depending on who won, they would get the product for half price or full price. <laughs> and I, I remember that watching that him as a as a kid doing that. It's pretty pretty cool. Uh, That's what... times for retail and. The whole, uh, the whole ski industry was quite different than today.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's, I mean, one, you know, kind of the hustling, uh, at the, at the scope of the slopes, to get them there. And then obviously the, the kind of open the doors after hours. Um, so I, I am curious if you do know what, what was his, uh, win loss ratio on the coin flip? <laughs> well,
0: I would, I would say he often lost. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's, that's uh, funny. Uh, yeah, kind of unique, uh, unique uh, marketing uh, back then. That's that's. Yeah, great. I
0: mean, what was also <laughs> unique was my my dad never hired anybody outside the family except one one guy that was our ski technician. Uh, he never bought a bag. He had all of the local neighborhood people bring their back then. Of course, when you went to the grocery store, you got a paper bag. Uh, local local neighbors would bring their bags to. The store so he would have bags to put clothing in and he operated for years until we came back home uh, to take over for him in 1983 he operated the entire store on a pay phone and wow. it was so funny because he would call his reps to order and they all knew that if the phone rang three times and and you and it hung up because of course there wasn't a way to identify who was calling you back then because wasn't digital they would know that it was joe Lahoo calling to place an order they better call him back right away and uh <laughs> this it was just very unique uh way to you know he, he was very conscious of keeping overhead down to to as low as it could go so you know no payroll uh no phone expense no supply expense and uh, it was just unusual that you know the mid eighties, which there was technology had just started and there was a lot going on. He just never changed. So it was a big deal for us. Uh, My brother and I, uh, eventually all three brothers came back and uh, to slowly try to change what he had built, but he kind of sat back and was not, you know, which was unusual having controlled something and having it his baby for all those years he kind of let us do our own thing and uh that's... we just kind of slowly it changed i mean obviously not we didn't modernize things too quickly um and just grew the business while he kind of stood behind the counter and was the pr guy and <laughs> kind of worked for free and kind of watched us grow
1: <laughs> that's that's um that's great and and you know he- hearing those stories and the family stories and stuff of of, you know, those things such as like the payphone and everything else is, I don't know, those are always kind of uh, heartwarming, I guess, just to hear that in general, I'm sure from your perspective even more, especially, you know, where you've, where you've taken it. So, but so, so you mentioned, obviously, you you know, you grew up kind of um, within the shop above the shop, everything. Um, And so I guess you, you had a natural love for skiing and the outdoors and stuff like that. How, I guess, you know, you mentioned, you know, there was eventually, uh, you know, you and your brother and, and eventually your brothers, um, kind of taking over everything. What, what was everything that sort of led up to that? Um, well, you know, was, was it something that you thought that you always wanted no, to do or, or? How, no, was it that? was very
0: unplanned. My dad never made us work in the store when we were in high school. We helped when it was busy, but again, like I said, it was like our playground and, uh, we all went off to college uh and i went to my bro- two of us went to law well, three of us went to law school and my younger brother went on to get his uh degree in business but none of us really thought about ever coming back and it wasn't until my younger brother herb um was at a inter- having an internship at honeywell which led to a job and he was coming back on weekends to help my dad in the store because he kind of had an interest and he was kind of feeling it out and kind of getting a feel for the corporate world, not that appealing to him being behind a desk. And um, so he did that for about six months and then called me out of the blue. I was practicing law with a nonprofit in Washington uh, doing immigration law for the Arab American anti-discrimination committee and um he said i got an idea uh would you be willing to fly home and we can talk about it and i said well what's this about he goes just (laughs) an idea about the shop and i'm like okay and i flew home it was in the spring uh we jumped in the car the next day and drove about an hour south on 93 just to chat and i remember it was a conversation about, Hey, I think dad's ready to sell. And I just would hate to see this going to anyone else. And I'm interested. I think together we could really make a good team. I, of course I had lived with them all through college. So we were pretty, we're all pretty tight. Um, I, what would you, what, what would it take to get you to consider coming back here? And, um, I don't think I really gave it a whole lot of thought. And I just went back to DC, gave my notice and I was back in New Hampshire within like three months. <laughs> and it was Herb and I working in the shop underneath coats where our desk was hanging from the ceiling with a meat counter and a Hamburg grinder and beer and penny candy and ski clothing and skis. And it was just a, eclectic, uh, small store packed with product. And we kind of operated like that for about a year. Of course, within a month, we got a payphone. So that was like a big progress. (laughs) (laughs) And um, yeah, we just kind of did it. I was 26 years old, he was 23, and we just gave up everything and came back to uh, our hometown.
1: Yeah, no, that's amazing, and it sounds like, you know, leading up to that point, um, you know, you all didn't necessarily have, um, I feel like not having interest is is the wrong word, but not having an interest to uh, or think that, oh, hey, maybe one day we'll take over the shop. But it sounds like, as soon as you know, there was there was the talks about possibly selling it, and then obviously, kind of everything that led up to that, well, I don't want, you know, some, some other family to take over because so much rich heritage and that stuff, that almost seemed like kind of the, their turning point for, for, uh, you and your, and your brothers in, in that sense, how big of a transition was that, I guess, you know, going through, you know, uh, law school, then, you know, eventually getting a, a job as a lawyer and, and doing all this stuff, then kind of going back you know, going back to the shop. I mean, was that a big, uh, shift, I guess, or was it sort of like, as soon as you made that decision, you were just ready.
0: Yeah, not really. I mean, we were brought up in a pretty ethnic household with, uh, you know, parents that we hung out with and got along with. And I mean, I was sleeping in my boyhood bedroom for a year before (laughs) my brother and I bought a condo and and separated, but, uh, you know, we were, (laughs) We were back home living in our bedrooms where we were born, having our parents, you know, my mom make us dinner and working with both of them to kind of get this to the next level. And uh, we really didn't have a plan. Like we had no idea that we would be growing and that we were the oldest ski shop and that we would open up a bunch of locations uh, in Lincoln and uh, be able to raise families because financially we had no idea where we were gonna end up. I mean, my dad put four kids through undergrad and grad school, and we figured, hey, it has to do okay for him to be able to do that. I mean, of course, that was back when, you know, Boston College was like 15,000 or 12,000 a year. Yeah. Um, We really didn't have a plan. We just kind of took a day at a time, worked seven days a week, got in the store at 7.30, got left left at seven and just busted our butts, Um, learning it, started by adding on to the original store, did two or three additions, then had an opportunity in the late 80s to open Bias Shop in uh, Lincoln, started in one little building, expanded to two other buildings that were on each side of it, connected them with these little runways, and then just started expanding and had more opportunities in Lincoln, so we moved to a bigger location. And then um, in the nineties, we started opening up concept shops because we have two North at at the current time. We have two North face Patagonia stores. We have a Prana cool store. We have Lahoot teas, which is souvenirs. Um, We have a life is good. O'Neill Columbia shop. So we just kind of, I would say we winged it. We never had a financial <laughs> plan. We never had a financial advisor. Um, we were fortunate enough to eventually own all our properties. So that helped with the overhead. And,
1: um, you know, we just, we just worked. Yeah, no, no, that's great. And, and, you know, how that kind of all, all happened. Um, not, not by chance, obviously, cause you worked. but like you said, there wasn't like a, you know, this is our, this is my 10, 20, whatever year, uh, plan you know when you and your brother took over and then kind of see it evolve so as as kind of you know the shop evolved your presence you mentioned all these kind of different shops within the kind of expansion um and other locations from from like the ski community and of course you know i I, up that way i know there's different um uh you know people go up there to to visit and and tourist and and whatnot like that how how i guess and did the community, I guess, around the shop sort of grow, um, especially, you know, with with, you know, the heritage behind it and everything? Um, how I guess, how, how did that part of it expand? And obviously, not necessarily not a, a tangible item, but just kind of the, the idea of it.
0: Well, I mean, honestly, growing up here, not a lot of people skied. So and I would hate to say that is true today of locals um, It's such a, an expensive sport. Not a lot of people could afford it. And I think if you didn't have family members or parents that had an interest, you never really took it up. I remember in my high school class, there was only a handful of kids that skied. So our business um, obviously was supported by the local community because we not only sold skis and uh, ski-related items, but we sold the basics that you need to live in the North Country and in cold weather. So... Um, we had everything from Carhartt jeans to Sorel boots, uh, but as we've as we've grown and times have changed, uh, I, own, I in you know after COVID we had a big insurgence of out of staters buying second homes up here, and our business just kind of in the town of Littleton just kind of blossomed. And breweries have come in. There's traffic 24 seven. There's a little bit of a nightlife, and I don't recognize a whole lot of people that come in our store. <laughs> um, there's a lot of tourists, but we do still draw from uh, the surrounding communities because we sell work boots and we sell workwear. Um, we we do have a good local base, but a lot of
1: tourism. Yeah, and the um, and and that that makes sense. But still, you know, you all having uh, being able to cater to kind of to the people that live there year round and everything like yeah. that, but you know, st- having that, uh, that, that outside growth, if you will, coming there, um, to, to kind of, you know, with the skiing specifically and continuing to grow that and, and grow that sort of as a, as a destination, I guess, almost in that area.
0: Yeah. And what's interesting is that when we opened up in, Link- in Lincoln, of course, Loon Mountain is there, which is a major ski area owned by Boyne, um, which owns areas throughout New England and now West. So that is really the hardcore ski village town. Um, so over a few year period, we recognized that in order to sell ski equipment and snowboard equipment, you really have to represent it in a big way. And Littleton was not didn't have the um, infrastructure to really present those brands. And we also didn't have a really close ski mountain um, where we got that traffic coming up every weekend from 93 and exiting into our Littleton, they would be coming into Lincoln, Loon Mountain. So we decided to uh, take Alpine out of the main store and focus primarily on Nordic and snowshoeing. So the Littleton store, which is the oldest shop, has become a Nordic snowshoe center. And Lincoln has become the Alpine snowboard center and rental center. So we've kind of found our niche and what works. And people don't seem to mind when they come in thinking we're going to have Alpine. Obviously, we have a ski shop name. They do not mind driving down to Lincoln. It's only like a 25 minute ride through Franconia notch.
1: Yeah. And that's, and to be able to kind of know, know, like what, like you mentioned kind of your niche in, in each location of, of what works the best that way. Um, and then still be able to, you know, provide, um, you know, that, that service in a sense to, to the uh, customers and everything like that is, yeah. is-
0: And is we've been really fortunate because of our longevity. Uh, I mean, I've, and I've been at this for 40 years, this is my 40th winter. We've been really fortunate to be able to um, have relationships with vendors that, because we're we're, lo- we're so remote in where we're located, there's not a lot of competition. So we were the first, you know, this whole concept thing I talk about back in the, you know, 90s, concept stores really weren't. I mean, there weren't a lot of uh, outlet stores and concept shops and, you know, brands that had their own stores. Everything was sell- sold. Sold through a second party. Like there weren't North face stores that were owned by corporate. There were North face store uh, retailers that represented the brand. So we kind of got in on the ground level of opening up uh, concept shops. Patagonia was our first one. And that was like, you know, pretty prestigious company that allowed us to open up our own Lahoots Patagonia store. And after we did that, this whole thing clicked and we just started to go crazy. We did Columbia and we did Burton and we did life is good. And um, just recently we opened up an O'Neill store and um, that's kind of like our latest concept. And uh, that's kind of the direction we're going in um, to be able to represent a brand at its t- you know, nuts to bolts is pretty cool, especially if it's something that people really like and has got a pr- great brand recognition. Um, we found that to be a really easy way to grow, especially if you have the support from the companies coming in and fixturing and lighting and, uh, giving you great terms. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty much a no brainer. And, you know, again, I have to repeat that we're very fortunate that, um, we've been able to survive all these years, uh, you know, with the, uh, competition of the online industry, uh, we've been able to create a niche where customer service is foremost. And we have a staff that is very committed and very, very good at customer service and have several people that have been with us for over 30 years. Uh, so we kind of pride ourselves in creating a unique shopping experience, fun, friendly, um, service oriented. You can hang out, chill out and, have a good time um, while shopping, and you know it's it's a little unique. I think that people have been coming, you know, for generations, um, and now they see how we've grown, and uh, they'll they'll travel to to come up now. You know, they they literally have their kids coming in, and they come in and reminisce <laughs> about my parents brought us in here when we were little kids. We bought our first pair of skis. I remember your mom, your dad, your mom, your aunt. And your grandmother bartering with us and uh there's it's a very nostalgic uh kind of feel which i'm sure you may have felt when you watched our movie north country
1: yeah absolutely and it's, it, you know in that in that sense it sort of you know comes around full circle you know obviously there's there's uh, your own family history within it but now now you're you're sort of creating that own sort of uh history for your customers and that same experience um so they can kind of have that that memory, like you said, every time they visit, um, you know, one of the shops or, or whatnot. So I think that's, that's really important. Um, you know, and, and to be, to be mindful of those things in, in the service and customer service and everything like that. Um, and to continue to, you know, be, be that staple within the community. So as, as you kind of look forward, is that kind of the, the main, um, I guess the main focus, as you mentioned, kind of more looking more at the concept stuff or are there is is there anything else, I guess, in that regards, um, that, that you'd want to share?
0: We've got our, we've, we've got a couple options coming up possibly in the spring. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to mention them, but they're very recognized. Uh, one very recognized athletic brand that is pretty hot right now. Um, that's highly considering opening up a concept shop. Um, that would be our next, area of growth and then I keep plugging away at my daughter and son to hopefully come back and step in my shoes and <laughs> continue to grow the business with the young blood as as I'm kinda getting a little worn out. <laughs>
1: How is that uh, that's going tip tipping towards that way?
0: Eh, I we'll <laughs> see maybe you love San Diego. Zach's getting his MBA right now from University of San Diego. So I'm going to, I'm going to hang in there until I turn 70 and then see how much longer I have to go before they, uh, they decide to make the move, but
1: it's all good. There, there we go. We we got time then we got time. Is what you're saying. So that's good. (laughs) not going anywhere right away. That's, that's awesome. Um, well, so, so one thing, um, I always like to ask our guests is kind of one piece of advice that our listeners can take away. And I think, you know, this is, it's, uh, this story is unique in itself as, you know, it's not, you know, obviously, you know, we're talking about a, a retail shop and everything like that, but it's so much more than that. And the history is so much more than that. And of course there's the family aspect of it as well. Um, what, I guess, you know, balancing, um, I, I guess, what, what would your advice to be to someone who's trying to balance kind of that family working relationship with their passion in order to kind of see things through and grow things, whether, you know, maybe they're first generation or maybe they, you know, or second or third generation or wherever they're at, but they, they have a passion. It might be skiing. It might not be. And there's a a similar situation. How do you, what would your advice to be to kind of manage that, that working family relationship um, and and partnership?
0: Well, always reflect back on where you, where your roots were and how you got to where you are and appreciate All the hard work that previous generations uh, put in and the blood, sweat and tears uh, that was required to even keep a business going through the depression and all those years. And then have a good relationship with your family. If you're going to be in business with your family, you have to get along and you can get pissed off and tell someone to go take a hike. But always be able to within that day make amends and and move on because you're as dependent on them as they are dependent on you. And you all bring a different piece to the, to the puzzle. Um, and, and in general, be kind, be happy, be humble um, regardless of how successful you are. You rely on the public for your livelihood and you're providing a service and you can have multiple stores and be super successful but um you got to be down to earth and relatable and be present um i would say be present work your business don't be an absentee owner um and and treat your employees well because Without them, you're nothing.
1: Yeah, I, I love love all that from the family aspect, and then obviously the, the just the business aspect as well. Um, I think those are key takeaways, not only from from like I said a, a retail shop or business perspective, but you know you can kind of apply a lot of that those principles and stuff to to life as well to kind of remain hum- humble and and realize where you came from and, and kind of stick with that. So um, where um, to that point, where can people um, Find your shop. Find you online. Um, all that good stuff. Uh, if they want, if they're in the area and want to check you out,
0: yeah, go to lahoots.com. There's a great uh, which Phoebe's trying to revamp our mediocre website now. Um, all of our locations are listed. We're primary. We're only in two towns: Littleton, New Hampshire, and Lincoln, New Hampshire, both off of I-93. Um, we have three locations in Littleton and four locations in Lincoln. Uh, we're open seven days a week. The only days were closed are Christmas and e- thanks, uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving and Easter. Three days, sorry, and mm-hmm. um, open nine thirty to five thirty every day.
1: That's awesome. Well, as as y'all can tell, uh, there's definitely no excuse to check them out if you're in the area because you always got an opportunity there. But, um, uh, Ron, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, share not only your family story but kind of your story and how you're kind of building that legacy. Um, and I'm excited to, uh, follow that and, uh, excited to kind of see as, as things kind of progress and keep adding to, uh, to the, the numbers at the end of the, the oldest ski shop in America, um, keep that going that way. But, um, I, I appreciate it and I wish you all the best and luck in doing so.
0: Hey, thank you, Jeremy. We're hoping to make it, we're hoping to make it to 200. So keep your fingers crossed.
1: (laughs) You got it. I have faith.
0: (laughs) Okay. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening. And hey, if you've made it this far and like what you've heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about life in motion. Until next time.